Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. verses verses 13 and 14 and with the help of the Lord we're just going to ask him today to help us convey the spirit of the Lord uh, the word of the Lord rather in our heart I'm going to ask you are you willing to be changed today are you willing to change your mind today (laughs) amen sometimes the word change is pretty loose but are, are you willing to change your mind about a few things today I hope so got a little quieter with the second question. So, oh, my mind. I didn't know that's what you were talking about. Genesis 15 and 13. Let's change our, let's be willing to let the Spirit of God be a change agent in our heart. The book of Genesis 13 and 15, the Bible says, And he said unto Abram, Know, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. They shall serve them, they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also, also that nation, that same nation, whom they shall serve, will I judge. And afterward, they, they are the children of God, the children of Israel. Afterwards, shall they come out with a great substance. Today, in, in, in continuing with our discipleship project, um, this month we we're talking about the posture of a disciple. And uh, some of you may be aware of the fact that Brother Rayleigh generally teaches on the second Sunday and uh, he is he is sick this morning and not able to be here and uh, so we're just going to we're going to plow ahead and he'll be back next Sunday will the Lord willing and and he'll pick up right there amen but we're going to talk about the we've been talking about the posture of a disciple today I want to talk about the subject beyond separation and uh, I, I hope with the help of the Lord we can make that title um, uh, perhaps a little more in focus before we conclude. We're going to be talking about a couple of men today in our beginning, a man by the name of Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, when we know them and when we meet them, um, there is there's already a common bond among them. Uh, but as with, as with everyone, um, there is, there's a life before sometimes we meet people. And... Uh, Sometimes you meet someone and you're already 40 years old. People just think you got here 40. And uh, some of you will never assume that you were a teenager or you were ever, uh, uh, <laughs> that you were ever different than you are today. So is the case with, I'm trying to be very careful there, but so is the case with Joshua and Caleb. We meet them and we meet them sort of at, at, at the uh, very intersection that's going to serve as a catalyst to, to burn their names into our mind from, their, from that point forward. However, uh, Joshua and Caleb at one point were, were young men, just like all of us were young at some point. 
But there always seem to be that common denominator, those common elements that draw uh, people toward one another. It wasn't always easy to, uh, for Joshua and Caleb to, uh, to keep that friendship afloat because their families were always on the move. God had promised to leave the children of Israel with a cloud by day and with fire by night, and in fact, he stood true to that promise. And so when it came time to move, when it came time for the children of Israel to move, then the cloud would move, the cloud by day or the fire by night. Those, those clouds would move. And when they were called on to leave, when they were called on to move, and I don't want to get too far off uh, of the subject here today, but when the children of Israel came to where they were going to stop, when they came to where they were going to camp, the Bible says that they were to pitch their tent toward they were to pitch their tent to, toward the, the tabernacle. And every one of them were the, the 12 different tribes. They all had different ensigns or different logos, we may call that today. And those were flags. And there was a man among them, every tribe, that was called a standard bearer. That was his title. And so when they got to where they were going, the standard bearer would raise the flag, raise the flag for the tribe of Judah and on and on and on, and that's where they were. They were that was how they could locate their home. That was their, that was their GPS, so to speak. When it came time to move, when the cloud began to move, the responsibility of the standard bearer was to go out and take down the flag, lower the flag, and that was a sign to every person in the camp, it's time for us to pack individually because God is getting ready for us to move. And so the children of Israel would pack and move, and, and uh, they would... They were going to be only settled for a season. And in truth, they would only travel for a season, but they never knew how long. But they were, And so it was difficult. I said all that to say this, that it was difficult at some point in the lives of Joshua and Caleb, being from different tribes, to have a forged friendship because much of the time they lived a transient life. But there was something extraordinary about these two men. While others would complain and others would murmur, Joshua and Caleb never joined that choir. Their voices were never a part of those that, that were complaining. In their minds, there was nothing to complain about. Their lives consisted of everything that uh, a man their age could ever desire. Perhaps they would talk about the journey they were on, not just the journey, but more importantly, perhaps they talked about the destination, that land that the Scripture says flows with milk and honey. I wonder how many conversations were held about that. Now, they were thankful to be a part, and uh, they were thankful to be a part of this caravan of people, but yet they were among some people that longed to be back in Egypt. They were among some voices that said, Moses has led us out here to die. They were among some that said, oh, that we had the leeks and the onions of where we were, but not Joshua and Caleb. They had left everything behind in their heart and in their mind, and they were all about moving into their future. And they believed every word that Moses had told them about their destiny because it wasn't just the words of a man. Moses was just the conduit through which God was speaking to the children of Israel. And then came that special day. And then came that special assignment. It's possible that neither of these men dreamed that they would be standing with such a divine call upon their life. Moses had called for the brightest and the best man of every tribe. And so without hesitation here 
is these men that we're about to meet, these men whose lives and their names is about to forever be etched within the flint rock of our mind, Joshua and Caleb. They were at the threshold of their promise, all of them. Their leader needed men to go into that new land. Amen. To spy it out, as the scripture says. They walked through this land that was destined to become their homeland. And Joshua and Caleb, at least, became more and more excited with the turn, with every turn. They are seeing that indeed the promises is true. Everywhere they look, they see the promise of God that God had given their ancestors so long ago. Amen. There is this land that flows with milk and honey. There is this land that is able to sustain us beyond our wildest imagination. But Joshua and Caleb were also there to see the giants. They weren't blinded by just the good. They understood the mountains to conquer, the cities to conquer. They understood the giants. Oddly enough, <laughs> the giants and the promise were never mentioned. Amen. Often we find that characteristic as a common thread. The Lord made a lot of promises to Joshua. There were a lot of things Joshua encountered that the Lord never even mentioned to Joshua. Amen. But I'm going to tell you today, there's some things that, that the Lord promises us. Amen. I'm not saying God is playing. I don't mean it to sound that way or God is trying to be cruel. But I, I say this, that God realizes that he's God not just of the good days, but he's God of the bad days. He's not just God of the insignificant things, but he's God of, of the significant things. And so, amen, he, he didn't mention the giants because they really weren't an obstacle. Not to God. Not to God. Amen. But fear struck this elite group of, of hand-selected men. Fear struck, I should say, all except for Joshua and Caleb. Because these two men seem to have something in common. And, and, and it, it's what God had in store for them. God realized that these are men that I can count on. And, and, and the giants that were in the land of Canaan, they, that was just one chapter of many chapters that was destined to be written. As they gathered themselves to return their report, many of them, the majority of them, as a matter of fact, the vast majority of them came and expressed their fears. But fear was not to be found in the heart of Joshua and Caleb. They were saying things like, we're well able. We can do this. Amen. These were not men that were just given to, uh, to silliness or they're, they're not men to try to trivialize real real battles before them but what they were trying to do is instill in them and remind them instill in them faith and remind them of the word of God God made this promise he made this promise to our ancestors all the way back as far as Genesis 11 amen so he was trying to instill into them amen the power of faith for them it was not enough for them to come out of Egypt and just be happy living in a wilderness because they felt very they felt just as strong about moving into the land of promise as they did about moving out of the land of bondage. Amen. And so I'm going to say it again. Our topic today is beyond separation. There are some things that we must realize that we can't just come out of something. We've got to go into something else. Amen. So no matter how great the cost or no matter how much the sacrifice, that was the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. Unfortunately, the other ten gave such a negative report that it kept an entire nation 
from inheriting what God had promised them. It took 40 years for Joshua and Caleb, 40 years for Joshua and Caleb to return to the same place. 40 years of walking, 40 years of of spiritual paralysis for them to just come back to where they were. Their entire generation died off in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. But through the faith that these two men were able to cultivate and preserve in their own lives, that kept them through the wilderness journey. You see, I'm thankful for Joshua and Caleb, but I'm glad that I've also met some Joshua and Calebs. Amen. I'm glad that I've met some people that, that stood faithful to God and true to God through desert times when it just didn't seem like anything would ever happen in I mean, I just feel uh, I just feel a desire to share with you just one small story. It doesn't apply to everybody here, but some of you will remember the name of Sister Ellen Smith. It was Sister O'Neill, uh, Sister O'Neill's sister, and Sister Ellen Smith lived in the city of Sebring, and she believed God for an apostolic church to be in that city. And uh, for many, many years, as a matter of fact, for decades, there was not a church, and she didn't have the ability. To, uh, to attend, to drive very far to a church. And so her sister would send uh, back then cassette tapes of the services from our, our church here. And uh, she just kept her loaded up with the word of God and kept her loaded up. But Sister Smith, every time she visited, she would tell me, I am still praying and I am still believing and I am still trusting the Lord to be able to send somebody to this city and pastor to build a church. And and uh, I remember many years ago now when, in fact, God did lay it on the heart of Brother um, a brother and sister Fred Edwards and and they moved from another state and God had surely sent them to the city of Sebring and so when Sister Smith began to share with them they started out of course as many home fronts church as many uh, uh, home missions churches start they started in storefronts and and uh, they were having church when they could and where they could but after a while as the congregation grew they acquired a piece of property and in time they built their own building. And all the while, Sister Smith, such a quiet, sainted soul, amen, that was not ever a person to project herself into anything, but I believe with all of my heart, and she's not the only one, but I believe with all of my heart that it was her faith in the impossible. It was her faith in the impossible. And said, God is going to send someone here. Amen. We're not always going to be a transient congregation and God is going to send somebody here. We're going to have our own address. We're going to have our own church. And in fact, that did happen. And uh, as she began to share through the years with brother and sister, uh, brother and sister Edwards, and I would see brother and sister Edwards at the camp, at camp meeting and different functions. And, and so when the day came that they finally built and finished their building, brother Edwards said, I want you to come and be a part of the dedication service. I'm telling you, I've been honored to do a lot of things and I say it humbly in my lifetime but I've never been more honored than to stand behind that pulpit amen because I felt like that I was standing in the presence of somebody like Joshua and Caleb amen that though her body was worn and though her eyesight was dim and her hearing was dull but she was in that congregation on that front row amen tears running down her face why Her body may have been failing her, but her faith, amen, like Caleb said, I am as strong today, I am as able today as I have ever been. Praise God for those sainted people that just refuse to stop. 
God's goal for the children of Israel was not just to deliver them from Egypt, but God's goal was to take them to the promised land. God's purpose was to bring them fully in to what he had prepared for them. Now, their destiny was already described prophetically to them in the book of Exodus. And I want to read a couple of those scriptures here today, and I want you to look at what the Lord said is going to happen. The Bible says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a a peculiar treasure. If you will obey my voice indeed, keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. In verse number 6, he said, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Hear it, children of Israel. I didn't just bring you out to bring you out. Amen. Can I get your mind out of Exodus today and can I bring your mind into this July morning and tell you that the Lord didn't just bring us out. He didn't just, he didn't just deliver us from sin so that we could just find a favorite place on the pew and come and just sing a few songs and go home. But he said, I called you because you're going to be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Amen. You're going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He desired to restore unto them the land that he had given Abraham as a promise before. The land now occupied by Canaanites. It's important for us to understand that the land that God was going to give them, and I find this interesting, that the land that God was going to give them was not just a random parcel of land. It was not just a random piece of ground. But the parcel of land known as Israel is 60 miles wide, 90 miles long. If you look at Israel on a map, a map of the Middle East, it's easy to see the strategy that God had in mind for his people. Amen. The land of Israel is a natural land bridge between Europe, Africa, and Asia. And so those that were travelers that were journeying from Africa would naturally, it would just be a natural course to have to walk through Israel on their way to Europe and Asia or vice versa. The strength, the strategic location Uh, that God used in that day is no less than what he is using in this day. Amen. It was from here, as as they journeyed through this little land bridge, it was from here those traveling through could hear about the true and the living God and his ways. It was an opportunity, if you please. It was a bottleneck, if you please, as a chance for God's people to be able to witness to the world. Amen. God still has geographic locations and God still has strategies in mind for reaching the world with his message. We ask ourselves, sometimes we think about being world changers. When we hear that term, to be world changers, we kind of cower in the shadow of what such a big title cast. Amen. But I'm going to tell you that if we'll just follow God's plan, God has a way to reach the world. How could the whole world know? That's the question we ask. How could the whole world know? I'm going to tell you that the location and the strategy of God today is not land. It's not necessarily even church property, but God's strategy to impact the world 
amen, is wherever his born-again disciples happen to be at the moment. Amen. Do you know that the strategy for being a disciple-maker today, amen, is, is letting God use us right where we are, right where you live, right where you work, right where you do business. Amen. We, are, we have become that bridge between lost people and a living God. And so as people pass through our lives, it is our calling. I'd like to take it one step further. It is our responsibility to engage them as friends and lead them to the truth of God's word. Amen. I think it's imperative that we must first build a bridge of friendship to people. Amen. Because once that bridge of friendship has been established, that provides us a greater opportunity to share the gospel more effectively. Amen. Now, I know that's not always possible and there are spontaneous moments, but I believe in order to be an effective disciple maker, amen, we've got to build a bridge of friendship. I realize that that we refer to this building as the church. And if you if someone were to ask you where is the church, you're most likely going to give them a card or uh, you're going to give them the church address. You'll give them some instructions. And those instructions will lead them to a brick and mortar building. And I understand that we refer to this brick and mortar building as the church, but I think we need to realize that this in fact is not the church. Many times, just being able to say the church provides an exit ramp for somebody who doesn't really want to get involved. They want to put that off on somebody else. Amen. We need to realize that this is not the church and that we are the church. Amen. You hear me dismiss our Sunday morning services many times and others by saying this. And it's not just a catchphrase. It's not something just to be cute. But it is really a mandate. Amen. When we dismiss our Sunday service, we said now we have had church. Now we are provided the opportunity to go be the church. And so go visit somebody in the hospital. Go sit in the home of somebody that may be discouraged. Go sit in this home of someone who may be bound. We have teams that go and, and minister to those behind bars. We have people that go and minister to those that may be in a nursing home or an assisted living facility. And on and on the the line goes, we are, we, this is not the church, but we are the church. Amen. We are the embodiment of everything that takes place here in a worship service. Amen. Can I tell you that you are the prayer meeting? You are the worship service. You are the testimony. You are the message because you are the church. Amen. I am the prayer meeting. I am the testimony. I am the worship service. I am the message because I am the church. If we have the Spirit of God within us, then we are the church wherever we go. This week while we were in Ocala, one night, um, my wife and I met a man on an elevator after church. We were going up to our room and... and uh, while we were on the elevator, and for the life of me, I can't even I can't even remember what served to kind of spark this conversation. But he began to share with us how that he and his family, we saw a lot of people down the lobby, uh, looked like they were checking in, and they had some food there on on the tables where they would normally serve breakfast in the mornings. And uh, when he he walked away from that group, got on the elevator with us, and he began to talk to us and share that his. 58-year-old mother had just unexpectedly passed away and their family was in town 
for her funeral, which had been that day. My wife and I were somewhat caught off guard. It was a lot of information coming in just a short, just a few short seconds. And so we tried to offer some words of condolence and things of that nature. And and and, and soon the elevator doors opened and we stepped off and, and he went on. We walked to our room and I just felt a powerful spirit of conviction that came over me. And I just felt like I should have done more. I felt like I should have prayed with him. We got to the room and realized that, you know, you don't ever realize you forgot anything until you get all the way to the room. You, know, you have to be behind the locked door before your brain works. And, and I realized that it left something in the, in the truck. And so I walked back down, and, there, and there, there he was. He had rejoined his family. And so I spoke to them as I went out and coming back in. I'm just, I'm just trying to think how to do this. <laughs> You don't want to impose yourself, and yet I felt like I had to obey the Lord. And I just walked up behind him, and I leaned down in his ear, and, and I said, I want you to give me your, your uh, family's name. And, and, uh, and he, he, just, he just gave me their name, and I said, I would like for us to have prayer. And so we had prayer. I'm, not, I'm testifying. I'm not boasting. I don't always get it right. And we just had prayer. And I'm going to tell you, we had prayer while some of them never stopped eating pizza. We had prayer while at least one young lady looked at me like I was way out of bounds. There was no fog that filled the room, no tears in the eyes. And I said, when I walked away from him, I said, I'm going to make this commitment to you. When I get to the room, my wife and I are going to continue this prayer. And we did. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't even know where they're from. But I believe that's what God has called us to do. And I almost missed that moment. It was so, it was so subtle. It, was, it happened so quickly. And, and you, you know, I, I mean, it was the end of a long day for us. And, and we were just thinking about resting. And, and then all of a sudden, there's an opportunity. And for a moment, it was an opportunity missed. But I'm so thankful that God in his mercy gives us a second at bat sometimes. And I'm thankful for that. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. I could, I, there was no need to say, come on, go with me. Let's go back to the campground, see if anybody's still there. The, the, the odds of that happening would have been nil. Amen. I, but it wasn't necessary. I hate that I'm talking about me, but I want you to put yourself in this. Amen. It wasn't necessary because he was talking to the church. Amen. I am the church. You are the church. We have to learn that we got to break out of the shell and realize that God is not relegated to one specific place or he's certainly not relegated to one specific time. God's not, God's not held hostage until 9.59 and then all of a sudden we let him out on Sunday morning. Amen. But that is our human tendency that we just want to kind of uh, and I, I'm, I'm not pleased. Don't misunderstand me. I'm running some risks here. I don't want you to think that I'm speaking against corporate worship in our times together. Not, not at all. But sometimes we have a tendency to think that because we are together when something happens that this is the only place it can happen. It happened to Simon Peter in the same fashion. Amen. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Simon Peter was mesmerized by the appearance of Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And who wouldn't have been? 
Can you imagine if that happened to you today? You're, you're just out minding your own business and all of a sudden Jesus and Moses and, and, and Elijah shows up. I think it would be a pretty moving moment. And so here's when, when, when Peter saw those three, here was his response. He said, let's just build three tabernacles and stay right here. Let's, let's freeze this moment. Amen, I have felt in my heart at times and, 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 and maybe it's a particular service in a local church or maybe it's a, a venue like we just came out of, our annual camp meeting. Sometimes you are watching the clock, so to speak, and it's ticking down on that Friday night and you know in just a few moments this is all coming to an end and the parking lot's gonna empty and the lights of this tabernacle are gonna go out and you just wish, you just wish somehow, amen, in the middle of all of that worship, if we could just freeze this moment moment and if we could all just build a little cabin out here and everybody just live right here and let's just come right here to church that's idealistic in our mind we think how incredible that would be I mean it can't meeting nobody has to say come on now let's worship as a matter of fact we find ourselves more often than not saying you may return to your seats We find ourselves more often than not saying, you may be seated. But it's not always that way in the local church. I've been here when it wasn't that way. More than once. (laughs) Amen. And we have a great church. We have a wonderful church filled with wonderful people. But you see, it's not reality that it's always going to be that way. But we are the church, and so when we are on our job, we're the church. And so how is the Lord going to propagate the gospel to the entire world? Can I tell you that you are part of that plan? Amen. Would you say that with me? I'm part of the plan. Amen. Say it. I am part of that plan. Praise God. I am part of that plan. We have this inept desire to bottle God up and and keep him in one spot and pull him out and pour him out when we need it. But I'm going to tell you that when the children of Israel came to Egypt and passed through the Red Sea, they came to the base of of Mount Sinai and it was right here at the base of that mountain. These sweet people witnessed some phenomenal things. I mean some incredible things. They saw the heavens filled with thunder and lightning and I don't think it was a rainstorm like we're accustomed to. They felt the earthquake. They heard a supernatural trumpet blast. They watched Moses as he ascended to the top of that mountain and they saw the glory of God as it as it descended on top of that mountain and they knew that their leader Moses was now meeting with his God, their God. Amen, Jehovah. Amen, it was here on that mount. It was here on Mount Sinai that the Ten Commandments were written according According to scripture with the very finger of God they also were there long enough to watch Moses when he came down and they saw that Moses was a changed man within and without his countenance was different and as memorable as these experiences were amen brother Williams don't you know somebody in the camp says man we ought to build a tabernacle right here we ought to call this home I mean if God has moved right here at the base of this mountain and in this mountain surely this is 
is where God wants us to be, but in fact, that was only part of the journey. And can I tell you today, amen, I feel in the Holy Ghost and I've said it for years that God is calling this church to another level and I do not want us to just get comfortable having good church. I don't want us to just get comfortable watching Moses go to the mountain and the glory come down. Amen, I don't want anybody to say, you know what, this is good enough. Amen, status quo, we ought to just camp out right here, drive our tent stakes down. Amen, roll up our sail. Can I tell you today, amen, you think this is wonderful? If you think God is doing something now, amen, if we'll just march on to the promise that God has in store for us, Hallelujah. We got to come out of something, but we can't just come out. We got to turn and step into the promises of God. My, 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 my. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Praise God, praise God. Praise God. There is always a there is always that tendency to be at ease. But the Bible says, Woe to them who are at ease in Zion. Amen. You may be able to take at ease somewhere, but you better not be at ease in Zion. Amen. No matter how powerful the Lord will move today, can I tell you we need to come back Wednesday night with we need to be praying Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for a greater move, a greater expectation. Come in with our eyes set like Flint for what God is going to do next. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> the message title today, Beyond Separation. God always has called his people to be a separated people. And God is not only not only has a plan for us or has plan his plan for us is not only to be separated and distinct from the culture in which we live the culture in which we live. But he also desires for us to become dedicated to his mission. And I just want to pause right here because I'm talking to church folks and tell you that when you only do half of this equation, you are setting a seedbed for something bad to happen. When you only come out of the world and separate yourself and when you only buy into the tenets of holiness and never buy into the tenets of marching into the promise of where God wants you to be, you set yourself up to become a judge. And you judge everybody else by your own standard. Amen. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck today, but this is not my first day. And I've watched so many people who separate themselves, amen, from a lifestyle of worldliness, but they never step into the hope and the promises of what God is going to do them. I'm going to tell you something, that to come out of Egypt was not enough. you got to go to Canaan. Well, there's giants in Canaan. Yes, there's giants in Canaan. And you're going to learn something as you defeat those giants. You're going to learn something when you go to battle. Can I tell you today that when God takes us through a few lessons, amen, we can be holy inside and we can be holy outside. But when you start fighting giants and you start winning battles, when God takes you to some high places and takes you to some low places, it's God's way of keeping you balanced in your spirit. My God, I feel what I'm talking about in the Holy Ghost today. It is God's way of keeping you balanced in your spirit. Praise God. So therefore, 
coming out from the world is it's just half of the story. We do need to be separated. We do need to dress different, walk different, look different in, in every aspect. Amen. But we need to also understand that God is expecting us to bear some fruit. There should be something in us. One writer said, being separated from the world without being dedicated to the mission of Christ is somewhat like the tree that Jesus inspected in Matthew 21, 19. It had leaves but no fruit. It advertised something, <laughs> but it wasn't there. Truly transformed disciples don't just talk a good talk, but they walk a good walk. The fruitfulness of discipleship is, is producing itself with another one just like it. And as we are transformed disciples of Jesus Christ, what we advertise had sure better be on the menu and it sure better be in the kitchen. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were, were in, in, in service somewhere else and we were some, with, with some friends and they wanted to go out and eat after church. And, and uh, so we all went out to a... a, a a restaurant, a name brand restaurant, I think in all 50 states. And uh, we walked in the door, and uh, and when we got there, the waitress walks to the table, and she said, I just need to let you know right now, we're out of a lot of food. She said, we have no bread of any sort. Okay. So there went any sandwich ideas right up, flying right out of the window. We're out of this, we're out of that, we're out of the. And, and so she gave us a long list of what they were out of. And then here we were all sitting bewildered. And we're all trying to order. And she kept saying, oh, we're out of that. She made two trips. We had already ordered. She made two trips back from the kitchen. And she said, we're out of that too. Well, we were really there for the company. And so it didn't really matter much. But if it's not on the menu, it's kind of a weird thing. To go to Cracker Barrel and they're out of crackers. <laughs> Turn out the light. Blow out the candle. <laughs> so when we speak of what fruitfulness is, we, 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 we speak of fruitfulness in any context. We're not describing the creation of something. So when you say that an orange tree is fruitful, you're not just boasting on its ability to, to make shade. You're talking about the fact that it produces oranges. We're saying it's fruitful, not because it's beauty, not because of any other reason other than the fact that you can count on that. It's going to produce fruit. And so the, the only fruitfulness... A transformed disciple is capable of producing is more transformed disciples. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord has been getting right down where we live for weeks now, if you've been paying attention. He's prodding us out of our comfort zone. I mentioned a passage of Scripture a few services ago, and I want to go back there this morning, and I may run just a little bit over here today, but we'll be all right. Hebrews 5 and 12, I want to read this from the New King James. The Bible says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, remember me talking about this? Sure you do. Sure you do. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. 
you would panic if you thought your students went into a classroom tomorrow morning and the, and the teacher, or when school is in, and the teacher says, hey, what do you all want to talk about today? You're the teacher. You need to have a lesson plan. And he said, you need someone to teach you. Again, the, 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 the first principles of the oracle of God. And then he, watch this. He said, you have come to need milk and not solid food. You need to watch that wording very carefully. You have come to need milk and solid food. You, you're, you're needing to be taught. You're supposed to be teaching, but you're needing to be taught. And you have come to needing milk instead of meat. That means you're going backwards. You started on milk. You started eating meat. And now all of a sudden, you're just backing up, backing up, backing up. And you're satisfied. You're needing the milk and not solid food. They're reverting back. Amen. They're incapable of ingesting solid food. And so the alternatives to spiritual maturity, it's not promising at all. Amen. We can redefine spiritual maturity by the measure of the New Testament church in the first century. Amen. They were making disciples wherever they went. Amen. And our church, our church, this church should become radical agents of change in the culture in which we live in last Sunday I spoke to you about the price, the high price of discipleship, it will cost you time it will cost you effort. You're going to have to cancel your own personal plans. You're going to have to be interrupted at some point. It'll eat away at your calendar, eat away at your personal schedule. It'll eat away at your personal desires. It'll eat away at your personal finance because the, the cost of discipleship is high. But can I tell you that the cost of non-discipleship is much, much higher, much, much higher because it doesn't matter how great a church may be today. What really matters is how great is this church going to be 10 years from today, 20 years from today. <clears throat> Praise God. If you remember nothing else, please hear me when I say this. If you have missed it all until now, please hear me when I say this. The gospel message of salvation came to us. Do you remember where you were when it came to you? You remember where you were when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You remember where you were when you were baptized? I hope more than one. Do we remember that? Please participate here. Do you remember that? Where you were when this message came to you. Let me remind you of this. The gospel message came to us on its way to someone else. God help us if we let it die in us. And we become that spiritual cul-de-sac where it all just ends and spins. The gospel message came to us on the way to someone else because the Bible says, I need a bridge. I need somebody that can reach. I need somebody that can fully invest themselves into the next generation. I'm thankful for a changed life, aren't you? Amen. Then, then, then I must tell somebody else about this changed life. Let's stand together. Praise God. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Can we entertain His presence right now? Lord, oh, how we love you today. Oh, how we love you today. Oh, mighty God, how we love you today. How we love you today. How we love you today. Dear God, I pray for your holy anointing to be upon our lives. Oh, God, touch us. I want to be very specific this morning. I'm asking you to touch Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'm not preaching anywhere else today. I'm not speaking to anybody else today. I'm asking you, O oh God, to let it begin in me, the pastor of this church. 
God, I'm asking you to, Lord, let it flow into the heart and the minds of every leader in this church. Help us to not just wear titles and and forget, God, that we are supposed to be making disciples. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel. Amen. That person works in the office where we work. Amen. That person is right where we're standing. That person is on on the other side of that counter for a reason because they needed to go to church. And we are the church. They needed prayer and we are prayer. They needed hope and we are hope. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God for the hope of his word. Aren't you thankful for it? Amen. My Lord. May the Lord bless you if you'd like to take just a few moments. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.